Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three Ps, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. All right, we have talked on prior episodes, the uh, Fix This Next business hierarchy of needs. And, you know, that base level is sales because sales is like oxygen to your business. You can't be in business unless you're making sales. That next level is profit. And the third level, that middle level in the business hierarchy of needs is order. So today we are going to talk about the order level. At the order level, the focus is on the creation of efficiency And the needs are related to ensuring that everything runs like, fill in the blank, clockwork. So with all of its organizational efficiencies, when your business can meet that, then the business can run and even grow no matter, you know, whether you're running it or not as the entrepreneur. So there's five areas that we're going to cover today in the order level. And the first one is minimize wasted effort. The second is role alignment. The third is outcome delegation. The fourth is linchpin redundancy. And number five is mastery reputation. So let's dive in to the first item on the order level, and that is minimize wasted effort. So do you have an ongoing and working model to reduce bottlenecks, slowdowns, and inefficiencies? This is, you know, obviously, if there's a problem, this is the area, this is what you need to fix next. So in challenging yourself on minimizing wasted efforts, how do you identify areas of the business that, you know, are experiencing some wasted efforts Um, Are you doing internal audits? Are you looking at things? I mean, I'll be honest, I designed an invoicing uh, standard operating procedure over 10 years ago for our claims exam business, and it was invoicing a client. And I didn't do that job for for quite a few years. And then, um, you know, someone was on vacation um, in Europe for three weeks And I needed to take it over. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh dear me, we haven't updated this. And yeah, it still works, but you know, we've added some additional things in our tool belt of of resources and such. 
And so it required uh, updating those standard operating procedures that just kind of had been accepted and, and not given the opportunity for improvement. So, you know, the idea is here, how do you identify areas of the business that are experienced wasted effort? So in this case, you know, I ended up having to, you know, step in and, and do something for a while. But, you know, can you audit the business, audit your processes and audit your systems in a consistent way? Um, you know, with Supply Patriot, uh, our construction material supply business, it's much easier for me to do that because I kind of like go in and, and sit with people. And that's one way that you can do it is kind of like just sitting with someone and kind of shadowing them for the day and seeing how things go. But, you know, all of us are smarter than one of us. So it's also good to like do it in a group environment. And, you know, sometimes people just get into a habit of doing the same things over and over and they don't question why, they just accept it. So, uh, you know, challenge people to find the opportunities for improvement. When I was a flight attendant um, for American Airlines, this was like, I call it my gap year. Um, after I graduated college, I was a flight attendant for a year. And, um, you know, they would um, challenge the flight attendants to come up with cost-saving ideas. Um, I don't remember the exact figure, but somewhat, one flight attendant um, suggested that uh, they remove the olives from the salads because um, that was the item that was really just moved to the side and not consumed on the trays when they were collected. And I mean, it was kind of an astronaut. It was a large figure. It was like $500,000. Now, American Airlines would incent you um, and you got like a percentage of, of the cost savings if they did implement it. But, you know, sometimes you can make it fun. And, you know, put a contest around it as well. So next would be um, to kind of like look at who makes decisions in relations to improvements to working on the processes. So, you know, can you involve more people? Can you guys, you know, pick something once every week to, to, to look at and to, and to scrutinize and to, you know, bring everyone in on it? Or is it something that, you know, you audit on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis? I mean, I could make a laundry list of the things that we have, you know, improved upon in our businesses by leveraging new technology, changing the way that we do things, changing our expectations. But we'll get into that a little bit later, too. So, you know, and then you could start with also just targeting what is the weakest part of your processes currently, or, or where do you have the biggest bottleneck? You know, here's where you can kind of gamify your business too. You should know what your statistics are. Like, you know, how fast is your turnaround time on things? You know, is that good? Could it be better? What, how do you quantify that? And how do you measure it ongoing? And how can you improve upon that? Because obviously, if you can um, reduce your turnaround time, that increases your bandwidth. And reducing the turnaround time might mean eliminating some things that you're currently doing that, you know, are costing time and money, but don't really produce a return or have a minimal impact value on your final product or service. And then, um, you know, question, what do you have in place to minimize bottlenecks and inefficiencies? So, you know, Sometimes it can be as simple as an additional piece of equipment in your company. Um, 
It could be adding an additional license of software to make things more efficient. I, I do have one employee who always likes to, you know, suggest the free version of something. And, you know, the free version is fine and, and it works well, but, you know, sometimes opting in for the upgrade to the paid version, you know, it really returns more value when you look at it as, okay, if this saves an employee 10 hours a year and I'm paying them $20 an hour and it saves them, you know, again, 10 hours, so $200 and the subscription costs $50, then that's a good return to a certain degree because now we can maybe even push more through it and be more efficient you know, we talk about getting a 6x return, but, you know, a 3 or 4x return on employees' time is is a good thing, too. Um, the 6 to 10x return comes in marketing. So that's where we want our marketing dollars to go longer and farther. But, um, you know, return on payroll, return on employees and time and such, a 3x is a good investment. All right. So the next area would be enroll alignment. Are people's roles and responsibilities matched to their talents? So, you know, it's really important that in your interview process, you know, you're really kind of obviously trying to see if this person, um, you know, number one, shares your core values. Number two, do they have enough of the 11 qualities of a five-star employee? Like, do they have seven or more of these qualities? And then you're going to rate these candidates on the fact of, you know, where are they in terms of the aptitudes that you need for the role? And can they, you know, demonstrate that they know the skills that are needed for the role? And um, there's other things, but we won't go too deep into the five-star employee. But, you know, once you get that baseline understanding of people then, you know, it's really important to understand what their strengths and what their weaknesses are and, you know, make sure that the role that they're doing, they're set up for success. I mean, I could be a bookkeeper, but like, that's not a strength of mine. I mean, I can do it, but I hate it. So like, it, it's not enjoyable. Sorry. <laughs> um, if that comes as a surprise, I love owning the numbers of my business, but I'm not going to do the data entry. I'm not going to do the account reconciliation. I do my allocation on allocation day, but I don't do the bank transfers. So I prioritize, you know, new roles and recruitment based on things that I want to get off of my plate or things that I'm not good at or where I'm weak on. And I find someone who's really strong in those areas. So, you know, with your employees, make sure that you're setting them up for success and maybe kind of moving some responsibilities around so that, you know, what is a weakness is not necessarily on their plate anymore. And then, uh, you know, we, I mean, we did talk about like the significance that you put in people's abilities and contribution over their title and rank. So, you know, this is really important from a perspective of recognizing everyone's contributions, you know, and we're seeing this really what's, you know, a big part of driving the great resignation is people are just not fulfilling what they feel is like a purpose or um, a, a reason to be doing something. So they're like, you know what, this job, you can take it and shove it because um, I, like I, I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel like I'm contributing anything. And so, you know, make sure that you're finding opportunities in your organization 
to celebrate the wins, celebrate people's individual contributions, ideally on a daily basis. So in our organizations, we start um, every day with a celebration in our daily huddle. And, you know, sometimes that celebration is something that like the team, it's a it's a win, it's something just wow and big. And sometimes, you know, it's small. It's, hey, you know, Rose saved our butt on this. He saw something and, you know, took care of it. And I feel like an idiot because I'm blanky today because I mentioned Roe because today he was a celebration. Um, but that was a few hours ago. And um, while I write down all the celebrations and keep track of them, I'm sorry. I, You can find it in the show notes. How about that? All right. Next, the third area in the order level is outcome delegation. Are the people closest to the problem empowered to resolve it? So who is responsible for identifying problems in the given areas of the business? You know, as the owner and as you add employees and as you, you know, strive to profitably scale your business, you can't be everywhere and you can't do everything. And so it's really important to make sure that you give ownership of, you know, certain areas or certain responsibilities and such to the individual employee whose, you know, hands are ideally in it the most. Obviously, I didn't give the person that was doing our our invoicing in our claims exam business the ownership to own the process. They felt that they just inherited the process and they needed to do it. And I should have given them more ownership. I should have, you know, challenged them. I should have questioned it. Um, but there was nothing that necessarily stood out or anything. It just had been getting done for, you know, nine years uh, the same way. Next, you want to think about when a problem is identified, who is responsible for, you know, resolving the problem and, and fixing it. And again, you know, this is sometimes where all of us are smarter than one of us and bringing in other people, maybe talking to other business owners about certain problems and such and getting some ideas because, I mean, you know, our world is full of opportunity. Our world is about continually improving upon things. Um, And sometimes those are big things and big improvements. And sometimes it's the sum of all the little improvements that has the biggest impact. So next, you know, make sure again, in part of that ownership that your employees are empowered to resolve the problems that they have identified. And even if it's not how you would have done it or resolved it, you know, be supportive of that person. You know, find an opportunity to maybe expose them to other things so that they have more knowledge and information that would help them in the future and such. But when someone takes action and someone is in your organization is really trying to make things better, but they might have not done it the way that you would have done it. Is it really that bad? How can you, as the leader of the organization, you know, continue that momentum of people taking ownership and people fixing things and, you know, be good with that they might have not done it exactly how you would, but hopefully the way that they did it is actually better than maybe the way that you would have done it. All right. I see a lot of owners just you know, wanting to wield too much control and not being okay with, you know, letting their team make those moves, make those incremental changes. And, you know, like you need employees in your business. If you want to profitably scale, if you really want to build your wealth, 
you can't do it by yourself because you are one person and you have, let's just, I know you're entrepreneurs. Let's say you have 60 hours in the week. Um, So there's only so much you can do in 60 hours in a week. But when you have one employee, you have doubled your capacity to deliver to your clients and your customers by 100%. And when you add a third employee, that's increasing your bandwidth another 40 hours a week because employees aren't going to work 60 hours a week. Um, It's only you crazy entrepreneurs like me who love the game of owning a business. But uh, the other thing would be encouraging your employees to team up with each other. And, you know, sometimes it might be something that they can, you know, fix on their own. But other times, you know, maybe it's, it's even empowering them to talk to people outside of your organization. And, you know, how can you expose them to, to the things that we already tend to be in the loop on as entrepreneurs? You know, how can you help your employees kind of feed an ideal insatiable thirst for knowledge and growth in kind of like whatever their area or, or specialty is? And, you know, you just have to realize that they're employees and you're an entrepreneur. You are exposed to completely different things in your feeds and who you talk to and who you socialize with um, and who you network with than your employees. So, you know, make sure that some of that is getting like dripped down to them as well um, so that you're watering your employees on that level too. All right. The next is linchpin redundancy. Is your business designed to operate when key employees are not available. Well, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the episode here, but lessons learned from COVID. I mean, you know, thankfully we did have linchpin redundancy. And so when we had an employee who was hospitalized for several weeks um, with COVID, we were all able to kind of jump in and take portions of what that individual had done. So, um, you know, if you haven't done Run Like Clockwork, uh, which is Adrian Dorison's program that, uh, you know, follows the book Clockwork, you know, this is really, really important in your business that you're not dependent upon one person. And whether it's COVID, whether, um, you know, someone gets hit by a bus, whether someone's, you know, partner or, or spouse gets like a transfer to, you know, the other side of the country or the other side of the world, you have to be ready at a moment's notice to, you know, be able to continue the order of, of what's going on in your business. And so you cannot have one person where you are completely dependent. And, and especially it shouldn't be you, the owner, because now you're putting your family at risk if the business is really dependent upon you being a linchpin. So make sure that everyone has some areas where they are cross-trained and that there's not any one thing or one task that only one person knows how to do. Avoid the one. (laughs) Avoid one person knowing how to be the only one to do one thing in your business. And then, you know, ask yourself, what is the consequence to operations if the employee is no longer with you? I mean, really think about this. I hate to say it, but I use, you know, anyone can get hit by a bus tomorrow. And so, you know, what would happen? I mean, you, you've got to be ready for anything at a moment's notice and you need to do it now if you have not already done so. And then there's cer- certain things that, 
you know, you could go like two days or three days and that's fine. You know, people are going to be sick and and that's fine and, and you can catch up. But, you know, your employees also should be able to go on a three week or four week vacation themselves and be able to really walk away from the business just like you should be able to walk away for three or four weeks from the business and the business be able to sustain itself at a primo level of operational efficiency and capacity. All right. And then the final area is mastery repetition. You know, are you known for being the best in your industry for what you do as a company? What do you want your business to have a reputation of excellence for? So once you've kind of fixed all this other stuff in these other areas, now you can really start to, you know, hone in on mastering certain aspects of the business that really gives you that reputation that allows you to stand out in the crowd. So once you fix the basics, now it's like, okay, well, how can we dial this up to a level of excellence that like our competition can't touch? Is it in your turnaround time? Is it in your responsiveness? You know, what are those things that would have the biggest impact on elevating your reputation of excellence? And then, um, you know, what companies do you admire for their reputation? Who is doing things in an excellent fashion? And, you know, obviously it doesn't have to be someone in your same industry or niche, but, you know, we can learn from other areas and bring that into our industry. So what companies do you admire for their reputation and why do you admire them? And what are lessons that you can learn from that that you can, you know, bring into your company and your business? And then the last bit of nuggets here is what do people say about your business when compared to your competitors? So, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And these are opportunities for you to find things that need to get fixed. So, you know, if Acme does it better, well, according to your customers, then what do you need to do to beat Acme at what they're better at? Um, and it's, you know, it's going to be certain things and, and certain things are going to matter to more people than to other people. And so what's fun is like, if you imagine a, a big board, um, probably like a soundboard, like to me, or, or a cockpit, you know, there's all these buttons, there's all these dials, there's all these levers, there's all these switches and such. And so, you know, think of your business as like you're operating from the captain's chair, from from the cockpit. And, you know, how are you going to dial things in and how are you going to get things just right for the conditions that you're in? And that is the order level in Fix This Next. So if you would like to take the Fix This Next assessment, then go to oc.fixthisnext.com. And that link will be in the URL. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Profit First Nation. If you would like a copy of our visual recap for each episode, you can get that at ProfitFirstNation.com and click on resources where you'll be able to opt in to have it automatically sent to you via text and or email every week when a new episode drops. And of course, if you would like to work with an accountant, bookkeeper, or coach with the heart of a teacher, then please also visit ProfitFirstNation.com 
www.ethelmarkshow.com and click on connect where you can connect with one of my certified profit first professional peeps and cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.